Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is the Female Founder World podcast, the place to meet your business besties online and IRL. I'm the host of the show, Jasmine Garnsworthy. Probably know my voice. You've been here before. And today I'm chatting with Natalie Walton. She's the CEO and co-founder of Expectful, which is an app that basically supports you through fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum. And she joined the app as a late stage co-founder. So she took over from the original founder and kind of pivoted the business. We don't usually have technical founders and app companies kind of on the show, but I'm just super curious on what it takes to launch a successful app. She's had more than half of a million users on the app. They raised, I think it was about $4 million, $4.2 million in under 30 days. And there's just a lot to learn from her around community building and when you should build an app or maybe why now isn't the time or the right climate to build an app. I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope you love it. Let's get into the show. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grinesworthy. Natalie, welcome to Female Founder World. Thanks so much for having me. So for people who don't know what you're doing at Expectful, give us the elevator pitch. What are you guys building over there? Yeah, so Expectful is a holistic wellness app for fertility, pregnancy, and parenthood. And I'm the CEO and co-founder of Expectful. Talk me through how the idea came to you or how you ended up joining the team. So I actually did not start Expectful. Expectful was started by Mark Krasner. And how I came to join Expectful is actually I found that it's this this pathway is um, not so unique, but um, I was a user of the product. So mm-hmm. in 2019, I had a high-risk pregnancy. I was incredibly stressed. And I came across an ad for Expectful on my Instagram. And I started using it. And at the time, Expectful was a meditation app for pregnancy. And really within a week of using the app, I just made tremendous progress in my pregnancy. And where I was told I was not going to make it to term shortly after using it, my condition stabilized and I made it to term, which was something that none of my doctors thought was possible. And so I had this really positive impact with this app. Then, you know, I gave birth and uh, was all consumed with being a new mom. But when I was on maternity leave, I came across this opportunity to advise Expectful. And I've spent most of my career in big tech companies. So I've been at eBay, Google, and Airbnb. And um, I've always wanted to get into entrepreneurship, and I've been a little intimidated. And I thought, wow, this could be a really cool way to come on as an advisor. So I came on as an advisor, and um, I helped the company with a couple of strategic deals. My background is in business development. And then within a few months, the founder asked if I would consider taking over the company as a late-stage co-founder. And so that's how I got to the company. Very cool. I want to talk about this pivot. You're um, you're actually one of the very few like tech or app founders we've had on the show. We speak with a lot of folks who are doing, you know, consumer brands, lots of e-commerce. Uh, and I am very, very curious about what it takes to like grow an app, but I'm going to get into that in a second. But first I want to understand why the pivot away from being a meditation app? Like what were the signals that were kind of coming through that that made you guys think that you needed to shift? 
Yeah. So I, I mean, I think it's, uh, um, what's really interesting about having a meditation app is like, and particularly about expectful is that we have a lot of scientific evidence around how meditation helps in pregnancy and postpartum. But when you're thinking about building a business, the most important thing is the TAM, which if you don't know what that means, it's the total addressable market. And, um, as you can imagine, the total, the total addressable market for, Pregnancy is is not even that big, but let alone meditation and pregnancy, mm. it's kind of a smaller TAM. So um, let's just take there are 4 million pregnancies in the U.S. every year. And then if you consider like what percentage of those are actually going to meditate, it's even smaller. And so when you're building a business, particularly a venture capital scale business, you want a big TAM. And, you know, it made a lot of sense to broaden beyond meditation so that we could reach a larger market. And also just, I, I'm a new mom. And, and at the time, like I had an infant, there was also just like a need for stuff beyond meditation. And so like the, there was a gap in the market and then you want a bigger TAM. And it was just kind of a no brainer to expand beyond meditation. I'm uh, in my third trimester of pregnancy at the moment. So if I was to go and jump into the app now, what would I find and what kind of tools and resources or workshops would I see in there? Okay. So we absolutely need to get you on expectful yes, and I'll I make do. sure that that happens. So we have lots of resources. We have dozens of courses that, um, anything from hypnobirthing, which I highly, mm. highly recommend. It's one of our most popular courses. I've been wanting courses. to do this. Okay. Well, you need to do this because it's great. It improves, it does wonders for your birth experience, but we have lactation courses on like how, if you're planning on breastfeeding, how to breastfeed. And if not, there's also, you know, um, tools in there for how to just feed your child. I think the the class is actually more titled feeding your baby. Um, anything to how to take care of mother's sleep. Um, because after you have a baby, your sleep, hate to say it, it's going to go down the tube. <laughs> um, and, and really how to care for yourself as a mom. I, what I felt uh, in the market having gone through this is that so much of the, so many of the apps are really geared towards your baby and like how to take care of your baby. And no one's really talking about how do you take care of the mom? And so I, when I think about, and I take a step back, what do we offer? We offer that ability to provide resources for the mother to take care of herself when she's trying to conceive during pregnancy and after. Something that I've been thinking about a lot, you know, we have a really robust community of women building mostly consumer businesses, but also like tech and, and service-based businesses as well. And we um, have a, you know, we've got a, con- a community that we host on a, on a platform called Geneva. And I'm constantly torn between should we be building something that's our own app, whether it's a mobile app or testing out a, or a web app, or should I be more focused on just the community and, and building it on somebody else's infrastructure? How do you decide that this needs to be like a tech solution rather than just a community kind of play? Yeah. So that, that's a great question. Like, I think the answer for expectful is different for what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, in general, like you want to sim until you have product market fit, you want to simplify, simplify, simplify. And so that like leverage the other platforms, build that community first. Building community is really hard. And that's, I, I'd say like, 
it's actually much harder than building the tech solution. Yeah. So it's like, you need to know that you're solving a problem and your community, ex- and the, the community that you're building solves that problem. So focus on that first. And if you really find that there is the, the community that you're building, like, and you get to talk to them and you understand what their problems are, then I'd say like that's some, that would be called some type of initial product market fit. From there, then I would say, let's go and like build the tech. And so how that looks like for Expectful was we started producing meditations on a platform called Teachable, mm-hmm. which is a platform where you can, platforms like Teachable, or you could do this on YouTube or on Instagram. And we found that, oh, okay, actually this content resonates with users. And so before we invested in building the app and building the tech solution, we we had proof points um, and we, we had already built that community. And after the community said, we want more, that's when it made sense to go build the app, but do the community first, because it's, you know, I, I, it's interesting, like... It, there's there are even steps to think on a, on another level. So like we're on Android and we're on Apple and we're also on mobile. And like I, I it's it's really difficult to maintain three platforms. And so it's like what you want to make sure at every step is that you have product market fit because when you add in that technical piece, you add in a layer of complexity. So like whenever we do an update on to our app, we have to, we have to do an update on three platforms. And so kind of actually how we shifted our strategy is that our largest platform is on, um, is on Apple. And so now we, we do updates first to Apple. We see how that resonates. And then once we have product market fit with whatever feature that is, then we roll it out on the other platforms. But I think when you're building an app, you really want to minimize the changes to tech and focus on the core, um, because that's, what's really critical. Yeah, that makes sense. That's definitely like clarified it for me. It's just something that I, I'm seeing like kind of other people in this space launching tech solutions for, for the problem that we're kind of solving with events and community and programming. And I'm kind of like, I don't know if this is a problem that tech can solve or if it's just something that the effort should be put into the community building. So that really helps the way that you kind of like phrase that. I want to talk about your community building tips in a second because you or the app has helped more than half a million users, I think is is the number, which feels like a lot of people. And I want to understand, you know, how you kind of like bring those people on board and how you engage them and how you build a community around what you're doing. But I kind of want to stick with this like tech piece and launching an app piece, because I think that, you know, there are probably a lot of people out there who have ideas around, you know, that app that they want to build and they want to launch. What are kind of the things that you need to do from a really tactical and tangible perspective to build something and launch it into the app store in a really successful way to get that traction? Yeah. So it's interesting. I mean, I think I honestly would advise against building an app in today's day and age, to be totally Mm. frank. And that's because of what has happened in the landscape. And if you're not really familiar what has happened in the digital marketing landscape, then you should really question whether you should build an app. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, what I'm referring to is the Apple iOS privacy changes of Apple 14.5. And that change has just made acquiring customers for an app business 
so difficult. It's made it so painful. I was doing it prior to the changes and after, and it's just the marketing landscape has shifted. It shifted for all direct-to-consumer companies, but in particular app companies, because when you have an app, you need, um, in order to get customers to your app, you need a, a conversion. You need some way to get customers to your app. Mm-hmm. And let's say you're selling a sweater. Well, that sweater, you can advertise that across so many platforms. You can advertise it on Google's product listing ads and Google. You can do, you can have an influencer wear it on TikTok, on Instagram. And you, with a physical product, you have some shot, even though the algorithms and CACs are through the roof, their CACs are through the roof and algorithms are messed up, you still have a chance at getting someone to emotionally connect with that sweater. But with an app, you really need an app, a mobile app install campaign. And that's how you get people to to download your app. Or I mean, word of mouth, like the other ways. But if you're using paid advertising, you need really a mobile app install campaign or a really good what's called a PDP, which is a product display page, some web lander that is excellent at getting someone to convert to an app, uh, to, to download your app. And when you think about the platforms where you can, that have app stalls, it's Facebook. Um, and anyone that has advertised on Facebook knows that Facebook is having so many problems right now. Um, so that's not particularly great. Um, Google, you could, you could do a Google like universal app campaign, but those are really expensive. Uh, and then you have Apple search ads. And so I bring this up to say that it is really hard to acquire mobile app users in today's day and age, unless you're spending tens of thousands of dollars a day behind your product. And so for anyone that's thinking about launching an app, I would just really push them because I, and I, I talk to a lot of founders in the app space. It is really hard today, just given the changes. And so you need to have some amazing way to, to have, to get customers. And, uh, you, you cannot rely on paid. Like you need to have your own distribution channels that could maybe be a following on social. It could be a newsletter following on LinkedIn, but like you cannot rely on paid, um, in today's day and age for an app. That's so interesting. Okay. So what are those other channels that have helped Expectful get half a million users through? Yeah. So for us, a lot of, it's interesting because the birthing space, it's a lot of word of mouth. A lot of um, parents tell each other what they're going through. And so we find that there's a lot of word of mouth, which is really hard actually to track, but it's something that we we, we know that, that that's something that works for us. So word of mouth is, is probably the biggest one. I think the other way is just through referrals. You can build into your app the ability to refer customers. Um, and so like on our homepage, that's one of the biggest things is like refer someone, but really it's, it's, it's getting scrappy. I mean, I, I have had over a million dollar marketing budget. And I think I've explored almost every single marketing channel (laughs) and a lot of them don't work. I mean, they, it's like, you know, you could think like, unfortunately podcasts aren't really that great at driving app installs and like affiliate, I think works really well for physical products, not so much for an app. Um, so like your channels are, getting really 
you know, it's solving a problem. Like if, if you're solving a problem that is a yeah. massive need, then of course you're going to be fine, but it, it's, it's really challenging. And so it, it's for us, it's been organic. We also have a, quite a following on social. So we have 175,000 Instagram followers. And for us, like building that community has been key. And it's something I talk to a lot of founders all the time. And I cannot under, like, I cannot overstate this enough is, is really focus on building your personal brand and also your business's brand so that you can translate that because people buy from people that they like. And, you know, in this day and age, like brand building is key. There's this really interesting opportunity, but also tension, I think at the moment with I think it's, I think really, really like TikTok has pushed this and this kind of business owner, entrepreneur talk thing that's going on where especially female founders, I think have this, um, expectation slash opportunity slash pressure to kind of be this forward facing, you know, uh, person representing their brand on, on social, but the people who do do it, it just works so well. Like you're saying, like building that brand, it's just, it, it does seem to work. So it seems to pay off. Is that something that you've leaned into yourself or have you taken a different approach? Yeah, it's something initially, well, yes, it is something that I've, I've done. So when I started Expectful, um, or when I, when I joined Expectful, I, I did this approach where I hired a PR firm and I thought, okay, I'm coming on board to Expectful as this new CEO. Like this is a press moment. Like let's get someone to write about this. And I spent you know, a few thousand dollars on a PR firm and it was one of the most painful lessons in my <laughs> career because like not only I was, I took some time off, like not only during my time off was I working on this, uh, on, on like doing PR and trying to see this message. But after reaching out to about 30 different publications, no one no one cared. Like, they're like, who are you? Who is yeah. your company? We don't care about you. And so I threw away a lot of money and time and then my ego. Um, and what I did instead was I wrote a medium piece and I wrote a medium piece and I spent a lot of time and effort on this as to like, why I was making this transition. What is this problem I'm solving? And like, why am I equipped to solve it? And that medium piece was so critical for me because it enabled me to, to really put my story out there and like build my brand. When I went out to fundraise, it was something that I was able to share with investors so people could better understand me and why I was doing it. Um, it also, I mean, I, I don't know, it went semi-viral, um, but it, it like got people to know who I am um, through LinkedIn. And and yeah, and like after I actually accomplished something, so like I closed our seed round I, I in 30 days and I raised $4 million. So after like I accomplished something, I was able to then use what I had written in in my medium post and and I shared that with a journalist. And it was like, from there, it was was like, okay, okay, we're going to write about you. Like this is interesting. You have an interesting story. You were able to fundraise really quickly. Like this is, this is newsworthy. And like from there, I've been in Forbes five times. I've been in Vogue, Goop, Entrepreneur, like, you know, I don't even reach out. Like the publications just come to me. But, um, so when I talk about the importance of brand building, it's like, 
putting yourself out there is so key. And, and even now, like I, I, as an early in my founder journey, I didn't post a lot on, um, on platforms, but it's something I'm really, um, leaning into now, particularly with the marketing and the, and the state that it is like, there's, Mm -hmm. there's nothing like organic traffic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You just, I obviously have to double click on the fact that you closed your um, $4 million seed round in 30 days. Talk me through that process. How did you manage to do that in 30 days? What advice do you have for people who are trying to do that? The landscape is really tricky at the moment, but generally what worked for you? Yeah. So I was part of an accelerator and I had someone who helped me all throughout the way who like basically said, here's the lay of the land and here's how you're going to do it. And if you follow these instructions, like you're going to be fine. And that what were the is, instructions. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm going to tell you the instructions, they're a little bit longer than we have time for a podcast, but essentially <laughs> it was really about building a strong deck and getting a strong story. And of course, if you have traction, all the better. So because expectful wasn't, and it was already in existence. Like we had traction, we had proof points. And then it's, it's really that getting back to my medium piece. It's like having a really strong why behind what you're doing. And so getting that pitch down. Then the second part was just really running what I'm going to call a tight process. It is having a full like spreadsheets of who are the investors that you're going to go out to getting them in tranches, like figuring out who's going to connect you to other investors. One of the best ways to get connected to investors is reaching out to founders and see like, Hey, can you introduce me to the people that invested in your round and just like start having those, those organic conversations. And for me, fortunately, like, because we, I were on very tight timelines and like had this really quick iteration loop was able to take that initial, um, pitch deck and then go out to tranche one of investors. And fortunately, like it was really well received. And what I found was I didn't even have to go to tranche two, tranche three, because the investors that I pitched to, they would then like introduce me to other investors. And so that was, that was really lovely. And I mean, for the people that are fundraising for the first time, I recommend if you can, like getting an, a, getting a coach is, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's helpful. I think as a founder, one of the best things that I've done is, as a founder, you don't know, I don't know most of what I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing this for the first time. And like, I will be, I'm happy to admit that, but I know how to find out how to do it and do it quickly. And if I can pay someone like a couple hundred dollars an hour, it might seem expensive, but if they can shave off like, you know, tens or like hundreds of hours off my life, I'm going to pay that. And that's like what you should be doing as a founder. So like I getting a coach for that. I mean, I have like four or five different coaches for various things. And, and I've actually started coaching other founders on fundraising. And I just find that the value that you're, I'm able to add to the, to these founders because I've already gone through it. It's, you know, it, it's really helpful for everyone. And so to the extent that if you, if you can, I recommend considering getting someone to hold your hand through the process that can walk you through and, and support you. Like, let's say, you know, you have a bad day and you got a rejection letter. Like, how do you, it's kind of nice to have someone to go to, to be like, you're going to be okay. Um, and so it, it's, it's nice to have someone hold your hand. How do you find a coach for someone for something as specific as fundraising? 
Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like I, I just started um, helping other founders coach if that's of, of, um, on fundraising, if that's of interest. Um, I think going to founders, like it depends on where founders are in their business and in their season, but uh, people that have successfully raised, um, that those are people that I recommend, um, you know, going out to and reaching out to, just because they've done it. Uh, there's a lot of people mm. out there that haven't fundraised and that pretend that they are fundraising coaches, uh, or, and maybe they are fundraising coaches, but I think that there's this emotional, like the, there's something to be said about the emotional toll that you get uh, on fundraising. And it's really helpful to know someone that, that, that has gone through that. They understand what you're going through. So I think founders, whether they, you know, had a successful company or successful exit, but like, that's probably a great resource. I want to talk about community building now for a little while. We've we've touched on it a bit throughout the conversation, but a community is obviously integral to what you're doing. You've built a really robust Instagram following. The app itself is their networking community within the platform. Like how are you thinking about fostering that community through both the features that you have, but also the content and um, activations that you might be creating? Yeah, so it's interesting. Like I think... And I'd love your perspective on this too, because you're in our demographic. Um, you know, community and pregnancy is a challenging one. It, mm-hmm. it really is because um, there are a lot of communities that um, aren't scientific and that can give you bad advice. But also, like, there's a lot of mom shaming and mom guilt. Um, and as an evidence-based app, something that is really important to us is like. One, it's that the advice is actually evidence-based, that it's scientific, yep. that you don't have someone that is like telling you to, I'm I'm not even going to make up some of the things that I've heard, <laughs> but but there's like a lot of woo-woo out there. And it sure so, is. I'm wading <laughs> through it at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, we, in our, in the past, like we have had community features, but find that it's really difficult to keep that community, um, unless you're, you have like a moderator because it is, it's dangerous. And I, and I like, we're just not going to stand behind that. And so how we've really fostered community is, is, is listen, is through listening to our users. I mean, we, we've had, we have these like polls in our app where we get feedback on what type of content people want. Um, actually Instagram, like to your back, back to your point on like, should you build this technology or should you use an existing platform? Honestly, Instagram is like a really great platform to foster that community. We have 175,000 followers. It's great for Instagram lives to have conversations, to hear people. Uh, Stories are a great way to get feedback. And it's a lot faster than having to wait for a sprint in in your app. So, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd say that that's that's an area where we leverage existing communities um, and don't feel the need to bring it into our app because the repercussions of it are kind of, you know, they're dangerous to our users. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And Natalie, the last thing that I ask everyone on the show that I wanted to chat about is just some of the resources that have been helping you as you've been up-leveling as a leader, as you've been building this business that you think other people who are kind of on the same path, on the same journey should check out. I have so many. Um, so from like, Give me all I, of them. We love, we love yeah. recommendations. I'd say like, if you're really serious about like getting on the founder journey, it's really important to at the minimum, like 
either have a coach or a therapist or both. Yeah. I think that mental health is something that is often overlooked um, and in the founder space. And it's something that you have to take care of because you are in a space where you receive constant rejection and like negativity, like all of the bad stuff, it just trickles down to you. And I think there really are very few positions in this world where you're faced with like that kind of difficult stuff on a daily basis. And particularly when you're fundraising, that if you don't have that support system, like you might start to internalize it and thinking, Mm. you know, what's wrong with me. And so it's so critical. Get, Get a therapist and like, you know, I do recommend getting a coach and and just having that, that support system beyond that, like some resources that have been helpful to me. I really enjoy there. There's a program called reforge and it's, it's a little pricey, but I, I found it to be just very helpful. And for a tech business and helping me think about product market fit and helping me think about some of the more technical things, like how to analyze cohort data and like co- thinking about co- cohort retention. Lenny Roshitsky has a really great newsletter that I think is, is good for founders as well. And um, so like, those are some of the resources. I'll also, I, if you don't have it, uh, maybe because I run a, like a former meditation app, I do recommend like thinking about, can you build a mindfulness practice? Um, whatever you do, I mean, getting back to the mental health piece, it's it's like, this is a journey that is not for, you, you need to be really in a mentally great place. And something I do is, mm. is frequently is meditate. And so whether it's like inside timer. If you're pregnant, expectful or wanting to become pregnant, expectful or uh, whatever it is, is just finding a, some way to stay grounded amidst the chaos is going to be a lifesaver. When you said cohort data before, for those of us who don't know what that is, me, what, what does that mean? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know what it was either. And turns out it's like one of the most critical parts of running an app. <laughs> so, so yeah, you can imagine that I had that was something I had to learn on the fly. So when you think about a cohort data, um, it's let's say your customers that you bring on in July. Um, that like that would be one cohort or like any particular week, okay. week 26 in the year, that's your cohort. And then, or however you want to measure it. And so oftentimes you need to look at your business on a cohort level just to analyze trends over time. Like how are retention rates trending with cohorts or your, like, I guess, how are your conversion rates trending? And um, it's something that when you're fundraising, you're going to get asked this question, like, show me your cohort data. And then you have to ask, like, well, what do you want to see? Do you want to see cohort retention? Do you want to see cohort activation? But um, there are particular line graphs and trends that you're going to want to show. And hopefully that with every cohort or, you know, couple of cohorts, your metrics are improving. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Um, And I had another follow-up question for you about the resources and recommendations for people who want to maybe like test this out, builds a really simple MVP, they're trying to get really scrappy with app development. Are there any tools, any partners they should look at? Like any advice that you have for people who just like want to test out an idea and get something like cheap and dirty up to kind of like test it out? I really would go back to building that community first. I mean, I've yeah. seen this time and time again. Like I also invest and, and, and I see this from like companies that I invest in or that pitch to me. It, it's like... I, 
you can, once you have a community, you're fine. But so it's like, I care less about the tech. You can build that. What's really hard is building that community. Um, and so I would say that if you're actually dabbling in the uh, building an app without that community, that worries me because the hardest part, uh, the hardest part of running a company today isn't the technology, unless you're like building like a true, like AI kind of solution in which case like you probably should have some deep expertise but if you're trying to just use an app to solve a challenge it's it's the hardest problem that you have today is how am I going to get users and once you figure that out like you will be fine prove that out and then I'd say like there are many developers that you can help like Fiverr it's more at that point it's it's like building a a prototype with a designer but um, I can assure everyone that that getting the customers is the hardest part and that's where I would really press on today. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us on Female Founder World and also just being so like forthcoming and tactical and tangible with all of your advice. That is what people, you know, want to hear from founders is the stuff that they can't Google. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for listening to that chat with Natalie from Expectful. If you did enjoy the show, please drop us a five-star review wherever you listen. And if you recommend us to a friend by taking a screenshot and sharing on your Instagram stories and you tag Female Founder World or Jasmine Gansody, which is me, I'm going to send you a link to download our PR hit list database. This is like basically your dream list of editors and journalists and freelance writers really well curated for people building consumer brands, consumer products, and who are female founders. So the kind of people who cover businesses like that, all of the information is in this spreadsheet. So you definitely want it. And the only way to get it is to take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories. All right. Thanks everyone. I'll see you at the next episode.